who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal, intersectional feminist perspective. Each Monday, I bring you a brand new full-length episode covering something from a wide variety of topics. And then every Friday, come meet up with me again for a mini What's in the News episode so you can stay up to date on everything that's going on in the world. Check out Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist wherever you get your podcasts. And rage on. Hello. And welcome to the Fantasy Magazine Story Podcast. Fantasy Magazine is edited by Christy Yant and Arlie Sorg. Our podcast is produced by Skyboat Media. In this episode, we will hear An Indefinite Number of Birds by Kurt Hunt, narrated by Stefan Rutnicki. This work is copyright 2020. Kurt Hunt was formed in the swamps and abandoned gravel pits of postmodern Michigan. Among other places, his short fiction has been published at Strange Horizons and Beneath Ceaseless Skies. He is also a co-author of Archipelago, a collaborative serial fantasy adventure available now on Amazon. So prepare to let your mind wander. We've got a fantasy for you. An Indefinite Number of Birds by Kurt Hunt Stanley began watching birds on the day he panicked and asked J.D. how much he really loved him, and J.D. responded, Oh, for fuck's sake, Stanley, how many birds are in the sky? I don't know, a bunch. Stanley couldn't get the question out of his head. By week's end, he'd bought a bird-watching guide and an embarrassingly expensive pair of Leica binoculars. He spent a tense Sunday morning ready for the birds to awaken and sing the day's gossips and confessions, watching and ticking things off in his journal as dawn grew from a hint to a bloody smear to proper daylight. His expectation was symphonic. The reality, sitting on the stoop in front of their fat brick apartment building, was subdued. Two morning doves mindlessly echoing each other, and one ill-looking pigeon walking silent circles around the municipal trash can across the street. Stanley counted 
and recounted. The kid that ran out of flower petals at He Loves Me Not, fighting the irrationality of his disappointment. Are you okay, babe? J.D. leaned out the window. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll be in in a sec. Inwardly, Stanley cursed love, the father of superstition, and in the long tradition of bouquet catchers and mistletoe hangers and lonely souls praying to so many gods to please, please, let me find love, let me be worthy of love, he counted the birds again. The next morning, the doves were quiet. The pigeon was dead. Weeks passed, much the same, and winter came. Grim and bare-skied, it mocked Stanley's daily drill. He grew more terse and withdrawn. J.D. continued making breakfasts and leaving love notes, oblivious to the ebbs and flows of the birds, the significance of each entry in the journal. Some days, the plentiful. They laughed and leaned against each other over coffee. But most days, Stanley said nothing or went straight back to bed after bird-watching. More time passed, much the same. A week in Tucson and a week in the Chiricahuas? Tickets right here, J.D. slid them, always so elegant, from the inside pocket of his jacket and passed them over. Also, the travel agent gave me two words he said would get you pumped. He smiled and leaned close, his lips against Stanley's ear. Elegant Trogon. Elegant, uh... J.D. leaned back and blushed. Or, I don't know, maybe that's more specialized? Shit, um, there's like dozens of hummingbird species and hawks and lots of birds. It's like Mecca for bird watchers, I guess. But as J.D. smiled, Stanley remembered the question, how many birds are in the sky? And the empty clouds whispered to him, you are not special and the whisper became a voice within him saying, he doesn't love you, he just pities you, and that voice became a scream. Are you making fun of me? He was yelling. He could hear his voice cranked an octave too high, the voice his first boyfriend called Faggy. J.D. looked like he'd been slapped. I just... Jesus, Stanley. His face hardened. I'm trying to do something nice for you, and I thought, hey, birds, he likes those, God knows why. And I thought a vacation would be good because you've been stomping around like a little bitch all winter, and there it is, Stanley threw the tickets. It's a good thing you're so nice, otherwise people might think you're a fucking prick. He had to yell the last few words because J.D. had already walked out and slammed the door behind him. When J.D. returned that night, they hugged without saying a word. Stanley struggled to keep the tears in. I'm sorry, he said. Of course I want to go. Thank you. I'm just sorry I... J.D.'s arms tightened around him, anticipatory. I'm so sorry I'm me. They both pulled back and looked at each other, and for a moment Stanley was sure J.D. was going to lecture him for apologizing like he did last time. But he didn't. He just kissed him. And Stanley kissed back. They made it to the bed, barely. It had been months since they'd had sex. And Stanley lost himself in it, certain this was the last time. Tucson was warm and gorgeous and doom-laden. The vacation feeling had worn bare before the flight even landed. 
and Stanley only grew quieter and more tense throughout the week as the desert persisted in its emptiness and the sand chided ingrate. His journal remained closed. Sorry, babe, said J.D. He sounded exhausted. But the mountains, guaranteed action in the mountains. But the mountains were the same. It's weird, said their tour guide, a bleach-toothed woman half their age. They're usually drawn down to the saguaro this time of year. And, like, I guess they're not right now? Well, said J.D., it's beautiful anyway. He gave Stanley a little hug from the side, while Stanley tried to ignore the clamor growing within him. How many birds are in the sky? As many as you deserve. How many birds are in the sky? None. Stanley was jabbing at a time management game on his phone when J.D. said it again. It's so beautiful. The metal legs of Stanley's chair scraped against the stone patio as he turned away from the view. It's dead. Oh, come on, Stanley. It's just quiet. I like quiet. When they'd met, Stanley had been sitting alone at a party reading a Chuck Klosterman book he'd pulled off the host's shelf. Then a soft voice, Excuse me. He'd looked up to dark eyes. Then that smile, that smile for the first time. It actually made him a little dizzy, sparked a glow in him like a porch light welcoming a traveler home. And J.D. said, I'm going to have to ask you to keep it down. Stanley smiled in spite of himself, a bit of that tucked-away glow resurging. Quiet's all right, he conceded. I guess. But it's barren out there. Are you kidding me? Uh, there's yucca and snakes and, like, little fuzzy desert mice and stuff. And a bunch of hummingbirds. Allegedly. J.D. shot him a look but didn't slow down. And they're all living these secret lives, is the point, right there in front of us. But we can't see. They're digging secret little tunnels and building secret little nests. It's like another planet, and we're so lucky to catch even the smallest glimpse. Something scurried briefly in the darkness alongside the house, as if to punctuate J.D.'s point. The glow in Stanley grew. Was a reflection of the sunset, or a premonition of dawn? You could spend the rest of your life out here, said J.D., just watching it all, and find new things to love every single day that had always been there, just hiding, afraid to be seen or heard. The sun had gone, the sky a deepening red. Stanley looked away from it into the night, toward the mysterious sounds, the secret world. Did the desert creatures see something similar in him, peering in from the darkness? Did they see his glow, warm and kindled, a thing of gradient colors that couldn't be captured in words, a thing that was only itself? And did they say to each other, look, in their strange languages, look how strange, how beautiful? And what would he see if he were in their place? Stanley woke to the sound of glass cracking. What? Oh, shit! J.D.'s voice came from the other room. A high, rattling noise shook the rental house. Stanley lurched out of bed, fell to the ground in the tangle of sheet, and scrambled into the living room. The noise became a dull reverberation like the sound of underwater or underground, 
or like hearing the blood in his ears, the heart in his chest, and the silence of an insomniac night. The first thing he saw, J.D., hands covering his face except for one eye. The second thing, a crack in the sliding door with a few stray feathers stuck in it. And finally, the birds. A swarm of them, landing on the patio and launching, flying thick as smoke, all sizes and shapes and colors. Stanley raced to the window and stared. Hundreds of them, or thousands. Impossible to count the way they weaved and blurred into each other. High above, gray hawks orbited and screamed. J.D. joined him at the window. <laughs> well, he laughed, gesturing helplessly. You wanted to see birds. Ta-da! Where did they come from? They stood together, Stanley's hands pressed against the window, J.D.'s hands loose around Stanley's waist. Jesus, said J.D., how many do you think there are? Stanley shivered. His muscles unknotted, the glow like an oven within him. Morning light made everything soft, and Stanley was struck by how beautiful J.D. was. His eyes drifted to a burst of color, a smear of greens and whites spiraling up, up. Elegant trogons, cyclonic, their feathers shining like armor, circling thick and endless, pulling his breath up with them as they rose. How many birds are in the sky? Stanley laughed and cried and hugged J.D. I have no idea, he said. Enough. Welcome back. You've been listening to Stefan Rudnicki reading An Indefinite Number of Birds by Kurt Hunt. We hope you enjoyed it. If so, please help spread the word by leaving a review or rating at iTunes or the social media venue of your choice. Our editors are Christy Yant and Arlie Sorg, and this podcast is copyright 2020 by Adamant Press. You should be aware that we publish Fantasy Magazine and this podcast for free. Please consider checking out our many subscription options and recurring patronage at fantasy-magazine.com slash support dash subscribe. We are sponsored this month by The Dystopia Triptych, a series of three original anthologies that explore three different phases of dystopia. They are Before the Dystopia, During the Dystopia, and After the Dystopia, and is edited by John Joseph Adams, Hugh Howie, and Christy Yant. Available now in trade paperback, ebook, and audiobook. To learn more, visit johnjosephadams.com slash dystopia. Skyboat Media, the most respected independent audio production team on the West Coast, produces the stories for this podcast. They are headed by the Audion Grammy Award-winning narrators Stefan Rutnicki and Gabrielle DeCure. Be sure to check out their website at skyboatmedia.com. Post-production was by Jim Freund, and our music was composed and performed by Jack Kincaid. Thanks for listening. That's all for now. I'm Jim Freund, wishing you cheers from all of us at Fantasy Magazine.
You've probably heard the name Mary, Queen of Scots, and maybe you know the importance of her legacy to the British monarchy. But how much do you know about her life and what she was really like? For instance, did you know that she preferred to have her eggs scrambled or that giving gifts was her love language? In my podcast, Vulgar History, we'll be talking about all that and more during an eight-part miniseries about the fascinating life of Mary, Queen of Scots. Vulgar History is a feminist women's history comedy podcast where we don't shy away from the messy, complicated lives of women from the olden times. Particularly with women in history, it's easier to use broad strokes to portray who they were, and it's like we forget they probably also had messy lives, complicated relationships, and maybe things weren't as black and white as they might seem in a textbook. But... I'm dedicated to sharing the sides of the stories we don't always hear, and each episode is supported by rigorous historical research. Turns out there's really something about Mary Queen of Scots. So be sure to turn into my series about Mary Queen of Scots and check out the other incredible women I've talked about while you're there. You can listen and subscribe to Vulgar History wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at vulgarhistory.com.